Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 119 and 97. Today we are going to look and celebrate the 500th year of the Reformation. This is the 500th anniversary of when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the Dorn Wittenberg Church and a period of time in which many great church pastors and leaders called the church to return back to its faithfulness to the New Testament. Out of this time period, there were several truths that came to the forefront that we must be reminded about. There were five that the Reformers talked about, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, solus Christus, sola Deo gloria. This is saying that here in this, we know Christ through Scripture alone, through faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, might we be saved. As we think about this, as we think about the anniversary of the Reformation, the question becomes, does it still matter? Is it still important? Well, we're going to look at that. Each quarter this year, we're going to have one sermon uh, about the Reformation. We're going to look at the Scriptures and, and ask, does the Reformation still matter in our lives and in our churches today? Today we begin with, I think, fittingly, sola scriptura. So read with me in Psalm 119 and verse 97. Verse 97 says, How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet is your word is to my taste. Sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. Let us pray. God, we ask you as we come... And listen to your word. We listen expectantly, wanting to meet with you. We pray by your spirit, through your word, that you would impart to us truth that would help us as we live. And God, if there's anything that is in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds that are against your word, remove it. And today we pray that you would help us to see in your word alone is truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is it that reformed the church and called it back to its roots? Sola Scriptura, a phrase coined by Martin Luther. He wrote, Scripture alone is the true Lord and Master of all writings and doctrine, the Scripture alone which has never erred. See, this is the foundation of the Reformation and should be the foundation of every believer and every church. This truth led one of Luther's students, a converted English priest, William Tyndale, to take on a calling he felt was from God. This calling to translate 
the Bible into English. See, in that day, that the Bibles were printed, especially in England, in Latin. And it was decided by the church, the Roman Catholic Church and the King of England, that it would be forbidden to be preached or read in public in any other way, or to be even printed in any other way but in Latin. The only problem with this is just like you and me, the people of that day could not read or understand Latin. What a boring worship service it would be to sit and listen to languages and people preaching and reading in a language that we don't understand. This led Martin Luther to translate the Bible into his German language. And in the same way, challenged William Tyndale to translate the Bible into English in his language. And so we can be thankful for William Tyndale because it is Tyndale who wanted to complete a full English Bible from the original Greek text. He felt that it was important to reform the church, to reform our lives, for people to be drawn near to God, that, that they are able to read the Bible in their own language. He wrote, I perceived how that it was impossible to establish the lay people in any truth except the scripture were plainly laid before their eyes in their mother tongue. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy who drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. He said that to a priest. Tyndale started with the New Testament and he began to, from the original Greek language, translate it into English. The problem was he had to flee for his life because under the rules of the day that that was blasphemous. So he fleed into Europe and hid devised a plan for getting the English Bibles back to England by smuggling them into bales of cotton. These Bibles began to bring salvation and converting people to Protestant faith. So the king and the church decided, well, we've got to get rid of these Bibles. This is causing too much trouble. So they bought all the Bibles in order to burn them. But what men intended for evil, God used for good. Their money used a buy up the Bibles, funded more of Tyndale's work. God provided the funding for him to do more translations and more printing. And after translating the New Testament, he started on the Old Testament from the Hebrew and had several books of the Bible done. But unfortunately, in 1536, Tyndale was betrayed and was captured And refusing to recant, he was hung at the stake and then burned in 1536. His last words were recorded to be, I pray God changes the heart of the king of England. Three years later, God answered that prayer. He answered it in an unconventional way. God hardened King Henry VIII's heart And King Henry VIII broke from Rome. Why did he do this? Well, history, and you may know, 
because he wanted to divorce his wife to marry Anne Boleyn. Very scandalous time in English history. But he commissioned what is known as the Great Bible. It was distributed to every church in England so that the people could read the Bible in English. But this is how God works things out, unbeknownst to the king. He had commissioned Miles Cloverdale to translate the Bible. Miles Cloverdale had studied under Tyndale. And so the king commissioned a Bible that was mostly William Tyndale's Bible. Even after his death, William Tyndale's work got into the hands of people. In 2013, there was a study found that 88% of homes owned a Bible. Each home actually had 4.4 Bibles in their home laying around. The same study showed that the majority of people said, when asked about the state of the culture around them, that they believed that most of the culture was living an immoral life and that not following the Bible led to an immoral life and that America was in an immoral state. And so they agreed that America was in an immoral state and that not reading the Bible led to an immoral life, yet Christians studied in 2013 said that only 26% of Christians read the Bible regularly. Brothers and sisters, this is like someone who is unhealthy and needs to lose weight, but won't diet and exercise knowing that that will help them out. Brothers and sisters, we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God to guide our lives, our homes, and our churches. But the Bible does nothing if it's not read. It does nothing if it doesn't take root in your heart. Brothers and sisters, people died so that you may have the Word of God. And yet, how many of us today could say that we're happy with our Bible intake? Even Billy Graham himself asked, when asked what would he do differently, said, if I had my life to do over again, I'd read the Bible more. So why does the Reformation still matter? Because sola scriptura is still true. If we want our hearts near to the heart of God, if we want churches equipped to be on fire for missions, if we want our lives to be close to God, then the scriptures must take root in our hearts and grow. In our text that we read today, I want to show you three truths about the necessity of Scripture in our lives. Three truths about the necessity of Scripture in our lives. Number one, the Word of God is necessary for understanding. You reminded of what Psalm 119 said in verse 97. It says, Oh, how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are med my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. The Word of God is necessary for understanding, number one. 
Why is the Bible important for our lives? Because it's necessary for our faith, because it gives us understanding. The verb most mentioned here in these verses is meditation. When we meditate on the Word of God, we're not being mystical or humming for some higher spiritual enlightenment. Instead, what we do when we meditate on God's Word is that we are reading our Bibles, seeking what it says, and then praying it into our hearts. Tim Keller calls it praying up our theology. So when the Bible says something like, for instance, uh, forgive seven times 70. If we were to meditate on this and really consider this truth in our lives, then we should pray this throughout our day and we should pray in this way. We should pray and say, we understand God is saying Christians must forgive. So then, when I pray, I'm going to pray and ask God to ask me who I need to forgive. I'm going to pray and say, God, do I have a forgiving heart? I'm going to say, God, help me to forgive today when I am wrong. God, forgive me when I don't forgive. So when we pray in this way, when we meditate on the scriptures, we are gaining understanding because we are gaining understanding of how God's word applies to our life. The Bible says here that you are more understanding than your enemies. I mean, how do we become more understanding than our enemies? Because when our enemies tempt us to be unforgiving or say you should repay evil for evil, you say, oh, no, no, Christ died for me. I am forgiven. Therefore, I must forgive that person. It goes on to say in these verses, verse 100, you are more understanding than the teachers and the elders. Why is this important? That These are elders are high authority and rank. See, the best teachers know their stuff backwards and forwards. And the best teachers are the ones who love and, and understand what they are teaching. So how do you gain more understanding than the elders? Well, once you meditate on the Word of God, it's as if you have gotten your PhD in God's Word because now when your teacher says to you, you need to forgive, you say, yes. Yes, I do. I've prayed about that, and I've been doing that. And as you hear them teach, you are saying, yes, I know, because I've applied this and prayed and meditated this into my heart, and I understand how hard it is, and I understand how good Christ is in this. What is the area in life that you need understanding? Is it patience, faith, friendship, parenting? Something with your spouse, or maybe you need understanding and salvation. Go to God's Word and let Him reveal the truth to you. Second thing that we read in these verses is that the Word of God is necessary for obedience. The Word of God is necessary for obedience. Verse 101 and 102 says, I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. The word of God is necessary for obedience. I keep myself from evil by keeping your word. I have not turned from your judgments, regulations, or laws, how that can be translated. 
You see, you can't turn from the authority of God if you're following his word. Air Force pilot told me that one day he shared with me an interesting fact about flying. He said, for every single degree you fly off course, you will miss your target, your landing by 92 feet for every mile you fly. So think about this. Say you're flying or you're, uh, yeah, you're flying a plane and you say, I'm going to set my course and you're one degree off. After 100 yards, you might not feel like that you're off course. It might not even be noticeable because after 100 yards, you'd be off by only 5.2 feet. After a mile, though, you'd be off by 92 feet. So consider this. After traveling from San Francisco to Los Angeles by airplane, you were to land in Los Angeles, you would miss the runway by six miles. If you're trying to get from San Francisco to then to Washington, good luck making your connection flight because you'd end up on the other side of Baltimore. And consider traveling around the globe from Washington, D.C. If you were off by just a degree, you'd miss by 435 miles and end up in Boston. See, how do we stay in obedience to God's word in our lives? As we obey, we obey and follow his instructions. See, neither a marriage nor a business fails overnight. Cataclysmic failure generally comes from a series of small, correctable failures. Some people call these the failures of one degree. You see, it's just as hard as recognizing as being one degree off while flying. These one degree failures in our lives as we fail our spouse, as we fail in life, as we disobey God. It may not seem bad at first, but as we continue down that path, we fall far from him. Brothers and sisters, this is why we need a crystal clear flight plan for our life. Maybe today you think you're far from God. I encourage you to go to God's word. Do you feel that you're far from God's word? Do you feel like you're far from God? John 14, 15, 21, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Do you love God? Love his word. Obey his commands. One of the truths of the Reformation of the Bible, all other religions say, obey me and I will love you. But the gospel says, God says, I love you, therefore obey me. Here's the truth for us today. The word of God is necessary for us to obey. And if we want to be close to God, we must follow his word. Thirdly and finally, why is the scriptures necessary? Why is sola scriptura still true? Number three, the word of God is necessary 
for new life. Verse 103 says, How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. What is the result of reading God's word? The word of God is necessary for new life. The result of reading God's word is a new life. You see, it says, I long for the taste of your word. When you become a new creature in God, when you become born again, when you become saved, you long for a taste of the true and errant inspired word of God. It's like honey. And because of it, you reject all that is false. God's word is the way to new life. And see, in God's word, you learn that Sin has infected us all, and there is nothing we can do as pure. The Bible tells us there is no one, not one of us, that is righteous. That we are dead in our sins, and and we further read that sin leads to hell. But if you read Scripture and you understand God's Word, then you see that Jesus came, fully God, fully man, and lived a perfect life, but was crucified on the cross, which pays for sins. And you keep reading, and you, you realize that over 500 people saw him alive after he was resurrected on Easter Sunday. And you keep reading, and you learn that if you trust in faith, you can be saved, that you can live a different life both now and forever. See, the Word of God brings us great understanding because it helps us to understand the grace of God. Martin Luther says, The Word came first, and with the Word, the Spirit breathes upon the heart so that I may believe. This helps me to think of the scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Aslan and Lucy are going around to the people who the white witch had frozen into stone and Lucy using her potion and then Aslan breathing on the statue and them coming to life. Same way, the Word and the Spirit does a work on your heart to bring you to salvation and to new life. And just as what was witnessed today in the baptism of two believers who recognized their sin and turned to Christ, who sought forgiveness in their homes, and now are new people, you can be a new person too. Today, do you need understanding? Do you need a new life in Christ? Today, if you are here by the invitation of a friend, you've come seeking and trying to figure out what Christianity is all about, my prayer for you that you would hear this word, that the Bible shows us and reveals how to have new life in Christ. But believers, do you live the new life that you've been given? Do you crave Christ and his word? Do you long to live that new life in which he has given you? Do you live with great faith and great faithfulness? Do you remember I shared with you that the first sanctioned English Bible by the king was the Great Bible, which was mostly the work of William Tyndale? Well, the Church of England made sure that every church had one. But here's what's happened. 
in the services, the priest would continue to preach and read from the Latin Bible. And up in the balcony, they had one copy of the English Bible, the Great Bible. And when they placed it in the balcony, there was great, there was great uh, turmoil. There was great uh, ruckus. There was great loudness. Why? Because people were fighting to read the Bible for themselves. As the priest was speaking, the people were up in the balcony fighting to read the very words of Christ for themselves for the very first time. They were being challenged by God's word. They were reading for themselves for the first time about the works of Jesus and how he died for them. And so they had to start locking up the great bottles. They, had, they said that we can't continue on services like this. There's it's too much commotion. So they locked up the Bibles to be only available during the week or after service. But then something else happened. These great Bibles started to go missing. Why? Because the people were so starved for God's word. They were taking the Bible home so that others could read it. They were stealing it. They were taking it home. And so the Bible could not be kept out open and not locked up because the Bible and the people were so craving God's word. It was like sweeter and honey straight from the honeycomb. And these people wanted to consume it in all ways. Let me ask you this. Do you crave God's word? Do you seek out God's word to be obedient in your life? Do you rejoice in the sweet understanding that God gives you in the word for salvation and truth? Friends, sola scriptura, the Bible alone, can point us to salvation in Christ. Does your heart need a reformation today? Do you need to crave God's word as it's honey on the honeycomb? Do you need to have a more consistent time alone with God and reading his word? Or do you need salvation today? Whatever God has placed upon your heart as we have read the scriptures today and we are reminded, sola scriptura, the Bible alone, I pray today that you would seek its bountiful, tasty goodness. Let us pray. God, I pray this morning that as we have gathered upon one another that you through your word have cut us to the heart to remind us how important your word is i pray god this morning there is someone here that does not know you that god that they would have heard of a gracious christ who died on the cross and that today would be the day of their salvation as they repent and believe and long to obey a Christ who died for them. I pray by grace that they are saved. God, I pray today that for those of us who are believers who know God's word and know and even have many Bibles on our nightstand and yet we do not read it, we pray, God, that you would draw us near, that you would convict us through the Holy Spirit to be people of your word, 
to be a church of your word and to consume your word as it is tasty to our hearts. We're thankful for it. We thank you, God, for giving us your word. And most importantly, we're thankful for the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and died on the cross so that we might live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.